Who's the boys? Movie boys. <laughs> I said, who the boys? It's the movie boys. Say what? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the spin-off talks. I'm your host, Jim Sterling. And I'm joined, as always, by my fellow MB, M- MB02, Conrad Zimmerman. Hello. Hello. That's what we are now with the MBs. The MBs. Um, the MBs. MBs. Uh, what's going on this week? Oh, yeah, Doom. Um, Doom. First, with Doom, this... If you've ju- if if you're new to this show, this is a show where we we talk about spin-offs of things of vi- well, video games specifically. Um, so far, we've done uh, uh, Resident Evil. That was our first episode. We did uh, Resident Evil. Then we did House of the Dead, two zombie films. So we thought let's switch it up this time because we don't want to just do zombies. We want to do, do demons. Doom. Let's demons. Demons are demons. Different. Demons. Um, yeah, so it's another zombie film this week. <laughs> a- apparently, de- a- apparently, apparently, the movie, the people who made Doom were too good for hell. Too good for hell. <laughs> well, so it, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was hesitant anyway because Doom's. I don't have a lot of experience with Doom past Doom Two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never played Doom Three. Oh, I. Or it just didn't. It didn't happen. That's a shame because the movie takes like all any cues it does take from the games are all taken from Doom Three, and that's what I have subsequently learned, having read the plot synopsis of (laughs) Doom Three on Wikipedia. And I was like, oh, if I'd played this game, some of this might have made more sense. It wasn't been some resonance. Yeah, it was. It wasn't that. Doom and Doom 2 didn't have story. It's that, A, the story was really, really secondary. Yeah. Really secondary to what was going on. Uh, and, B, the story was kind of dumb. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, the, the, it, it never aspired. It, it, was a, it was a 90s shooter that never aspired to be anything clever. It was, you know, you are soldier guy. Why is Mars over hell? Like, I... You know, whatever it and it doesn't matter. There's it, no, it didn't matter, but it's it would matter. In space. It which, would matter in the movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, if if you want some sort of plot. Um, so yeah, my my. I guess first question: Did you watch the theatrical version or the unrated version? Um, I'm suspecting I watched the unrated version. Uh huh. I watched the unrated version. I I don't know what the difference. I never saw the theatrical version. So yeah. I'm, I think I'm judging by how front and center that breast was. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Yeah, there was um, a woman gets her tits out in it uh, because, of course, she does uh, because that's I, movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe that was it. I the only thing that that I was sure that was unrated about it was the fact that I felt like it was going on far too seriously long. It it's uh, two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, like, okay. I mean, with the credits, which the credit sequence at the end is like eight minutes in length. So, yeah, I, uh, fuck I those stopped. Guys. I stopped less than a minute into it. I was like, okay, it's a bit of a CGI first-person sequence. That yeah, whatever. No, I'm no, it, and it goes up. on and on and on, and then there are more credits after that. It is brilliant. Just, oh, it's it's horrible. It's horrible. But you get to hear that whole Nine Inch Nails song. <laughs> That's good. So there's something. There's something for you in there. But uh, it, uh, something for the kids. Uh, yeah, it's a very, very long movie, and uh, it, it's complicated, and un- it's not unnecessarily complicated. It needs something to justify its running time, I guess. 
Like, I feel if they cut some of the stuff out, they wouldn't have had enough for an entire film. But if, <laughs> in order to include all the stuff necessary to make it a film, they had to drag it out. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, so um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big Doom fan. You mm-hmm. know, I, I first Doom, love it. Doom 2, that was my, that was my thing. Um, well, Doom and I, Doom 2 were, I mean, they revolutionized everything. I mean, they changed everything in video games. And I can remember being a 14-year-old at my friend's house, and he's like, oh, have you played this? And it blew my fucking mind. Like, there was... we. I played Wolfenstein, sure, and that was interesting. But I was shooting Nazis, and it, it wasn't as graphically impressive as Doom no. by a... Uh, oh, it was uh, completely different. And, and, like, when Quake came along... Uh, I, there were friends of mine who felt that it was as revolutionary, and, and so, and sure, going 3D, truly 3D was, but it didn't feel as momentous as Doom did, because it was so violent, and it was so yeah, yeah. over the top, we'd not seen anything like that yet. Quake, Quake was definitely um, a technical revolution, but I think, at least when you were the age I was when it came out, like, you weren't that bothered by the technical side of it. I mean, it was impressive that it was, that it was in 3D, but I remember being at that age and thinking that, that I wasn't... Polygons did nothing for me because everything looked way uglier than a well-detailed sprite, yes. you know. So I used to watch, see these 3D graphics. I liked Quake um, well enough. I, 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 the first Quake I, I really liked. Um, but I never found it as visually impressive as something like Doom 2, which... which was just so much more richly detailed because they they could afford to be. Um, well, oddly so. enough, you know, it's like because Quake is so cobbled together, like it's mm-hmm. four completely different environments, and just it's weird and disconnected feeling, uh, and it's sort of got this uh, demonic element sort of laid over the top to try and unify it. It's a, I think that series is much better reflected in Quake 2. I think Quake 2 is is Quake 2 was game. definitely, yeah, it's when they got thematically consistent. And funnily enough, back in the day, um, I didn't like it as much just because the the sci-fi, like, when they went proper sci-fi and, and you know, the, what was it, the Strogs as the enemies yes. and all this stuff, all the, the real um, hard sci-fi stuff, sci- you know, going up against cyborgs and stuff. Like, they just didn't the idea of the first Quake where it was like sci-fi elements injected into this almost medieval setting, I really enjoyed um, thematically. But but looking at it retroactively now, um, Quake 2 was definitely just creatively more consistent and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was a better... Uh, it, was, it was a better game all, all told. But I had um, tuned out of... of- uh, PC gaming and first-person shooters pretty much after Quake 2. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I I fiddled with Half-Life a bit. It didn't hook me. Um, and then I was, I, I, it was at this point that I was getting so frustrated with um, patch culture in PC gaming and, yeah. uh, and the increased emphasis and focus on online multiplayer, which has just never been something that's appealed to me tremendously. Um, I used to play a lot of Quake 2 online, but uh, after that, just, I was done. It was too much of a pain in the ass, and I switched to consoles almost exclusively for a period of, like, ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I, Doom 3 just never hit me. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't on my radar. 
Yeah, I, I, I actually... I, it passed me by because there was a, a brief period of my time where, where video games overall just uh, I just went kind of dark on them, mm-hmm. um, and Doom Three came out around that time, sort of college age for me. A um, couple of years where I just I wasn't bothered, uh, so I came to Doom Three later, like like quite a few years later, um, once I got properly into PC gaming and stuff, and I uh, you know downloaded it on PC. And really liked it, actually. It got a lot of criticism because it obviously isn't Doom 2. It's, it's a very different game. It, it has a lot more horror. And uh, the, the design is based on, on what they would go on to call monster closets. You know, it's corridor, corridor, corridor. Here's a room with a load of monsters in it. Bang, bang, bang. Corridor, corridor. Monsters, monsters. Corridor, monsters. Um, it's very... Uh, it, it is, it's on this very obvious track. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, there was moments in it that were legitimately like scary, and it had a really nice atmosphere to it, and the lighting was fantastic, and yeah, it was it was it really did it appealed to me quite a lot. But it wasn't Doom Two. That's that much is certain, mm. and its attempts to put a more consistent narrative into itself was admirable. But I still don't know what's just what's wrong with just demons in hell. Like, like that's good enough for me, I guess. Like demons in space, that's enough for me narratively. Right. Like, you know, we're on Mars. Here's a portal to hell. Now there's demons on Mars. Like that, that, that to me is the perfect story. Like that's Shakespeare, as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't well, get more elegant than that. I think that the ni- the nice thing about something like that is that on its face you can't be expected to take it seriously. Yes, and yes. so that ha- that immediately has an effect on your expectations going forward uh, throughout it, and it's easier to forgive uh, a premise that's already kind of stupid to begin with. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it takes a lot of that weight off of the yeah. of the presentation to. To really worry about that, and, th- and when it's not preoccupied with, with having a consistent narrative and, and having some rich, detailed story that makes sense, they can concentrate on other things, you know, things that, that actually matter to that uh, presentation. Well, it's you know, like, I'll, I'll be honest matter. with you. I'll, I'll yeah. be honest with you. I had no idea what the plot of Doom was, like the, the video game. Yeah. I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, so what happens in Doom? Like, I go through a few facilities. I, I know that I travel between the two moons on Mars, and I wind up in hell. Is there... And that was it. That was all I could come up with. I, I discovered over the course of preparing for this episode that there is lore there. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a, there's a full-on Bible that has plenty of things explained and a novelization and everything, uh, none of which I gave a shit about back right. in the day. None of it mattered. And, you know, I'm not I'm not saying story isn't important in things, but in certain things it's just not. And Doom is one of those stories that just, they've ne- it's never needed a story. Right. Uh, you know, it just, it needs demons in space. You know, demons on Mars. And that's all, all I really care about. And... But then, and I you know, Doom is, Doom is a thing that is about shooting things. You know, it's about the feeling yeah. of shooting things and that being fun. And so you have to, you can't just have that in a movie. 
Like, you, that, that doesn't translate. There's no interactivity. So you have to construct a story, I guess is what and I'm getting at. they certainly constructed a story. Yes. They, they, they certainly constructed a story. So I would say, um, you know, now's a good time to wrap up the little uh, uh, opening spiel. And we're going to... Now, last time, we really <laughs> fucked up. Um, because the plot, a plot synopsis should not take longer than the movie itself uh, to uh, divulge. And this so, movie's really long, so fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, um, Conrad, when he watches the movies, he takes notes and actually notes down the plot. And therefore, with, with minimal, some, but minimal interruption from me, the next section is going to be a, a plot rundown. If you've not watched the movie or if you'd like a refresher course, uh, section two will be uh, a plot synopsis from Conrad, uh, which we will try and ex- explain as briefly, yet still as entertainingly as we possibly can, while, while threading it all together. And then section three will be uh, more in-depth analysis of the film and, and everything, and then what we thought about it um, all told, and our favourite bits. So, yeah, yeah, um, I guess we'll move on to plot. God help us. Okay, so plot. Now, this mm-hmm. is another one of those really high-quality uh, uh, sci-fi action romps, so we have to start with some voiceover narration yes, to establish yes. exposition. Uh, always. <laughs> yeah, who, who needs to tell, you know, these movies are very much uh, uh, tell-don't-show in right. terms of backstory. Right, so uh, 20 years before the events of the film in the year 2026, so we are in 2046 during the events Mm -hmm. of the film, Mankind found an installation in Nevada because, you know, if there's one place we're still going to find shit that, you know, nobody's really cared to thoroughly explore, it's in Nevada. Always Nevada, yeah. Always Nevada. Uh, It's called the Ark, and it has this functioning portal to an abandoned city on Mars. Okay, and I guess we've spent the last 20 years wondering what the fuck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so as the film opens, we're shown something is chasing scientists through hallways in this city. Uh, the city's named Old Vi. Uh, one of the scientists, who we learned is named Dr. Carmack. Nice touch. Yep. Let's let's hammer in the connection to Doom uh, right off yeah. of that. It gets its it gets its Doom references out the way very early. It does so that it can then be anything but Doom. That that was what I kind of garnered from it. Like it, it, they let's get the Doom shit done quick, right. and then we can tell our little space story. So uh, Carmack is chased into a lab. He, there's a monster behind him. There's another scientist behind him and she gets to the door and he's closing it behind her and it cuts off her hand, her arm, like, I don't know, just below the elbow. Uh, and he sends this distress signal calling for a quarantine. Um, and there's something breaking down the door and we yeah. cut to earth. And this mission to respond is given to Sarge, Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Yeah. Which I've got to say in the, Amazon plot synopsis in their little, you know, detail of what the plot is. They don't call him Sarge. No. Now, Sarge is obviously a call sign, uh, you know, they're, they're nicknames for the, the, the Marines. Um, but in the plot synopsis, Amazon just says, yeah, they send a team of Marines led by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> so I'm assuming that this whole movie is WWE canon. <laughs> He is the rock, but, you know, his call sign is Sarge. So Sarge is ordered to travel to Old Divide through the Ark, assess the threat there, protect uh, corporate property on the, the, in the facility, and maintain yeah. the quarantine. And we're introduced to his team. They are the Rapid Response Tactical Squad, and they're just about to go on leave when they get these orders. Yeah, they're the Marines from Aliens. 
they they really are. We got Destroyer, who's the friendly giant. We got Duke, who's the player. Uh, we got Mac, who's the silent type. And <laughs> poor Mac. Uh, Goat, the zealot, uh, and Portman, the general purpose asshole. Yeah, and, the wannabe Billy Bob Thornton who just irritated the piss out of me. Oh, God. He's just disgusting on pretty much every level. And, yeah, and I think the movie wants us to like him and find him funny. But, no, he's, like, in-universe disgusting and just real-life gross as well. Like, do you think the intent was for him to be funny? I didn't get that vibe at all. I thought that they were just trying to make him just loathsome. See, I, I, I felt like he, a lot of it was like they were trying to play him for laughs with all of this, you know, oh, I'm going to have sex and, and do drugs. That's pretty much my character. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, so anyway, um, it's Portman and then Reaper, who's uh, the guy whose last name is Grimm, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they said that the doctors, when they, because... I'll, yeah, I'll they, just... they allow you to put this together in the film, but I'm cutting to the chase. The guy's name yeah. is Grimm. Yes. Uh, and last but not least, the kid, who this is his first mission uh, with the Rapid Response Tactical Squad. Yeah. And now Sarge tries to keep Reaper from coming on the mission, because Reaper has a history on Aldivai that will be discovered later in this convoluted plot. Now, the team travels through the teleporter to Mars, uh, locking the door on the elevator behind them, and establishes a six-hour quarantine. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other side, on the, in the Mars facility, we're introduced to Pinky, who's a security officer who had a mishap with the teleporter where his legs wound up somewhere else. Yeah, um, he's Pinky. He's um, played by that guy who's in Lock, Sock, and Two Smoking Barrels. He's actually English. His American accent is dreadful. It's pretty bad. Uh, but he yeah. doesn't do a whole lot of talking, so... No. But he's called Pinky, which is another reference. It is. Um, uh, to and the nickname he's got of the this, Pink Demons from Doom. He's got this sort of, like two-wheeled thing fused to his spine at the waist uh, that he yeah. used to get around. And so he's, he's going to no sort of... Hole. He's there to monitor the team. And uh, we uh, meet Samantha, who's a forensic archaeologist uh, assigned to retrieve data from the lab as part of the mission. And she is Reaper's sister. Yes. So she's and this Samantha is the first Grimm. Time, yeah, that's the first time I heard the name. I don't know if they meant... I was cooking chicken soup during the intro. So I don't know if they called him Grim before. No, they did moment. The moment they said her name is Dr. Sam Grimm, like, of course it is. Of oh, course she's called Grimm. And they set, they set it up so that you're supposed to assume that they are former lovers of some kind. And, and, but no, it's their siblings. What a twist. What a twist. Uh, okay, so expositional setup time. Sarge splits the teams into groups to investigate the facility, sending them in twos to the genetics lab, Dr. Carmack's office, the weapons lab, and leaving uh, Reaper and Samantha to begin downloading data from the archaeology lab. Now, Mac has been left behind with Pinky at the Ark teleporter to sort of guard shit. Goat and Portman discover weird experiments and a group of alien animals at the genetics lab, as well as an electrified holding cell that will come, come into play later. Uh, the Kid and Destroyer find a lab coat with a bloody arm on it. Uh... In the weapons lab, Sarge explains Reaper's history that his parents had been archaeologists on Aldivai and died in an accident. Um, his sister decided to become a re researcher here, and he decided to become a Marine. Uh, and then he also finds a weapons storage area that he's not authorized to access, and we're shown the image of the uh, BFG. But yeah. it's not the BFG 9000. It's the BFG version 3.14. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why... They decided to have it be like the first three integers of pi, but they did. Yeah, maybe the maybe the writers of the film were feeling insecure 
I had um, no idea. And they're like, we've got to show them that we've got some sort of intelligence. <laughs> Otherwise, I think we're dumb. Like, if I go home and tell my wife that I'm writing the Doom movie, that, that like my family will think I'm dumb. But I'll tell them, no, there's a reference to pie in there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the kid... Yeah is uh, demonstrated to be super jumpy because there's a hose that moves and he fires off an entire clip and scares everybody. Um, yeah. Now, He's the stereotypical first mission kid. Basically. He really is. He yeah. really is. Um, so now Reaper and Samantha have an argument about her working on Aldivai in the archaeology lab, and she shows some of her research. And the research shows that the people who were on Mars, because they found these remains here, uh, had an additional pair of chromosomes that was protecting them from all disease and giving them superhuman abilities, which the yeah. researchers believe was bioengineered. Um, I don't... I'm sure there is a way to determine all of this information that she has over the course of 20 years of research, but it seems like oddly specific information based on the things we're shown that they have discovered. Yeah, yeah, like they've just got a skeleton to go on. <laughs> right, yeah. Unless that skeleton was like slowly growing its skin back, then I don't know how they ascertained it. Uh, meanwhile, the team makes contact with uh, something in Carmack's offices, they chased around. It turns out to be Carmack, and he's holding the severed arm that was cut off in the earlier sequence, and he's totally crazed. He pulls his left ear off, and they take <laughs> for him... For no reason. For no reason. And they take him back to the med bay. And now we get some filler subplot. Uh, we're... Because <laughs> everybody is now reassigned to different partners. I guess the point of this is to show how different characters interact with each other. Yeah. None and of this some... is necessary. At this point, there's a new doctor as well who's just there. She's just there. Uh, yeah, uh, there is mention of her husband being out there somewhere and them saying that, that he's fine. And, and if you're paying real close attention and actually care, yes, her husband is found. But nobody cares. It's so useless. No, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't. It's absolutely useless. It's um, like human drama. Like It's small shots of human drama in the moment quickly discarded just to try and keep us invested it's like it's like shit they might not be emotionally involved yet missing husband all right brilliant move on to the next thing so the the kid uh he apparently uses drugs to cope with stress and he gets them from portman and since the two of them are paired up he gets some drugs yeah for him goat demonstrates his religious devotion by cutting himself while the after he takes the lord's name in vain and the kid and portman find the scientist with the severed arm uh, she is naked. I don't yeah, know why. Fully. Like, I guess when, I guess she wasn't wearing anything under the lab coat. And actually, no, no, I'm going to bring that up later. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I got another tip thing I got to bring up, but, uh, yeah, we're, 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 Portman and the kid find her. She is naked and just sort of standing there grunting for some reason. And uh, the kid calls out to her, I, and and, the, and Portman chides him for this. I guess he wanted more time to get, look at side boob. Yeah, I, I guess he's like, "Oh, you ruined only, my yeah. side boob. Now I've got full boob. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's too many boob. It's ah, uh, don't you understand the anticipation? That's what gets me. I just don't understand. Uh, but she turns around, she's all ah crazy, and they shoot her. And yeah. they realize, oh, you've got the missing arm. So we found the scientist. And at some point, somebody wrote suffer in blood on the lockers in this room. Yes. Okay, fine. Whatever. Uh, meanwhile, at the med lab, uh, which they pass through something called a nano wall. Uh, this uh, freaks Duke out. He doesn't like the nano walls uh, because they are like barriers that 
they become solid walls when you activate them. Uh, otherwise, you could pass through them if yeah. they're deactivated. It's, it's, it's a wall that dematerializes and rematerializes. There. Fine. And he's scared of them, yeah. And he's scared of them. Because what if it closes Char- on me while I'm walking through it? Yeah, character right. development. Exactly. He's very deep. <laughs> uh, he's actually the, he is the sensitive character. Uh, with the really, really bad uh, innuendo-y pickup lines. Yes. Uh, yeah. So Samantha tries to treat Carmack, who like freaks out and issues a warning to shut it down. Um, and Reaper and Goat, in the genetics lab, find uh, that the animals have been killed. Uh, as they're reacting to sounds that have been heard, and they find another scientist, uh, Dr. Olson, who bites the head off a rat and gets shot aggressing on them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Destroyer and Sarge find a monkey, which they shoot a lot. And uh, I want to talk about the monkey a little bit later. And Reaper and the goat then make contact with another creature, which they chase into the sewer. So we have now killed these things, uh, and Samantha finds some... is, is like trying to treat Carmack, finds something in his blood. And they're these, like, big black flakes of yeah. shit. Like, I don't know what they are, but they're these big, like, it's really, really clearly in the blood. It's not like you had to use shit a microscope flakes. to discover this. There's shit flakes in the blood. Just, it's got shit flakes in his blood. Um, <laughs> it, this, the rest of the Marines, uh, minus Duke, who is, uh, I, think, I think it's Duke that's with uh, Samantha in the lab. I, I skipped it. I don't care. Uh, they're all investigating in the sewers. Uh, Goat finds the creature, uh, gets attacked. Yeah, uh, the creature th- looks a lot like the imp from Doom 3. Well, it's really dark in there. It's very hard to see anything. But I guess it's the imp from Doom 3. Uh, he gets attacked. The team uh, kills that thing and brings Goat back to the med bay. Everybody's all there. Sarge sends all the civilians through the Ark back to Earth, uh, to the Earth station. And... Um, Goat dies on the operating table. Sarge freaks the fuck out, demands that Samantha explains the research being done at the facility, shows the corpse of the monster that they killed in the sewers. Everybody freaks out, and they're like, oh, well, it couldn't have come from outside because nothing could live on the surface, so it had to have come from it here. Well, maybe we should check out the dig. So they sent a couple people to go check out the dig. Um, the uh, Let's see here. The, the rest of the team is sent to just hunt down the... The, any remaining creatures in the facility. Portman wants to call in reinforcements, uh, gets shut down. Yeah, Portman, who at this point is the biggest asshole in the film, actually turns suddenly into the most sensible one. In right, the film. right. And, and I would like to interject here at this point. My wife and I watched this uh, last night. This was my second viewing, uh, because I always watch these like three fucking times. And she, up to this point, this, she's like, finally, finally someone said, hey. Yeah. Shouldn't we get help? We don't know what we're dealing with. And she had spent the last 45 minutes of this movie saying, we don't know what we're dealing with here. And then the words came out of Portman's mouth. And I think that's the great crime. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's the worst part of this film is that it forces you to identify with Portman. Yeah, to actually praise him as the only one there with any sense and brains. Um, So, outside... The med lab, uh, Duke and Samantha are attacked by another creature, uh, and they use the nano wall to kill it. They run through, Duke, Duke runs through and has Samantha close it behind him, and the creature gets embedded in the wall, and it's still alive. Creepy. Um, Mac, meanwhile, exploring the dig site, is unceremoniously beheaded. I feel really bad for Mac. Yeah, he suddenly goes. He suddenly yeah. goes. 
he he has been uh, he he basically gets to hang out with Pinky in the in the teleporter room. Then he goes to explore the dig site and he gets killed. That's all we yeah. get of Mac. Uh, Pinky, meanwhile, has been left behind with a gun and a handful of grenades. And the monster may be coming his way because now they've lost it. And he's ordered to use a grenade to blow up the teleporter if the monster should get to him. Uh, this just sets Portman off because now how will they get home if this happens, right? Yeah. Uh, Sarge orders the team to work in pairs, sweep the facility again, uh, while he goes, takes the severed arm of the scientist and uses it to retrieve the BFG from the advanced weapons storage in the armory. Yes, this gun, the, I want to point out, has had a lot of build it has. In, the, in the film. We're all looking forward to seeing it used. I just, I just needed to point that out. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that, that you wanted to see it used, and we don't really see it used for a while or much at all. Yeah. And even when it does, it's... It's a little underwhelming? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, let's just say, it's not used to ever kill anything as near as I can tell. It might have vaporized one thing, yeah. but I don't think we ever see it. it it's used twice to basically hit walls. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. That's yeah. pretty much. That's pretty. But much he gets it. it, and there's a big gunporn moment where he's like, "Oh, big fucking gun!" It goes which on the... for a very long time. Yeah. Um, now, on 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 my third viewing of this, where during which I sort of wrote the synopsis, uh, during a lot of sequences, I, re I I replayed the video at three or four times speed. And... I wish I'd done that on my first. <laughs> The gun porn moment went by a lot faster, but it was a little staggering how long it was even at three times speed. Yeah. It really... Like they really want us to think this gun is cool. And it's yeah. like... Not that cool. I mean, that's what, that's what gets me is how the film is made. It's clearly, like, to get the most out of it, you've got a no doom. So you see the BFG and you think, oh, shit, it's the BFG. Oh, shit, he's called Pinky. And then it just doesn't actually deliver any of the things a Doom fan would want to see. Right. So it gets you all excited for all these doomy things that just never happen. So. So yes, yes, after... After, after Sarge yeah. gets the BFG, uh, we go back to the med bay, and, and Samantha and Duke uh, have been performing an autopsy on the creature, uh, while the previously dead goat climbs out of the body bag, mm -hmm. crosses himself, and then repeatedly head sl uh, slams his own head against a window until he dies again. Yeah, does it... I, we should point out, does it about three times. Mm -hmm. Not really that hard. No. And dies. Yeah. Uh, but fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and it's at this point that it's realized that the creatures are in reality the uh, scientists themselves, which have been transformed yeah. into That's them. when my heart sunk, by the way. That's, that's when I realized this film wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. Because as soon as I realized, like, the, the zombie people and the imps were supposed to be the same thing, I'm like... That's why it's called Pinky. It's because there's not going to be any demons. Like, yeah. like that, it, it was like, right, officially this film is, it, it's just turned into another zombie film. And, and I've got to point out that just like she was able to determine that, you know, there's this super chromosome that makes you superhuman like Wolverine, her entire basis for working out that the, the demons, for want of a better word, the monsters and the people are the same is she's doing an autopsy, finds, you know, a heart, kidneys, liver, 
and then says it's had its appendix removed. Right. Therefore, it was definitely human. Well, I think I think that that's I think what they're trying to demonstrate is that she makes the observation that the you know appendix had been surgically removed, and then the observation that goat was transforming into something. Yeah. Put two and two together that way, you know, because you know it's. Yeah, I think th- I think that that's Demons how that went. Demons might just not have appendices. Well, that's true, but wh- why would but but you would know if an appendix was surgically removed because the place where the appendix should be is vacant, and you would be able to tell that there had been surgery performed. Yeah, it might have been full of hell. That's okay. Where, where I, you the know, you're right. supposed to be, it might in demons, it might be full of hell. And, I don't know. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to find some way to discredit her research. Not, not, not yeah, her of sexism. Yeah. I'm not being a stem lord about this. I just want demons. There's right. nothing political here. I just want demons. So the appendix hole might be a hellhole for demons. So <laughs> Portman and Destroyer, yeah. we go back to them, and they they split up in the genetics lab because Portman wants to take a dump. That's his own words. I I need to take a dump. Yep. And while he's shitting, uh, he switches his uh, communicator device to uh, a different frequency and calls for reinforcement against Sarge's orders. And Destroyer has a steel cage match against a creature in the electrified holding cell. Yes. Um, And dies. Uh, Then Portman is killed in the bathroom while an amused Pinky watching on the kill cams from the guns uh, does nothing to help other people no. save him. He's he just laughing. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. Pink, uh, Portman is like tossed around left and right in the bathroom stall, and the other soldiers come like get to it, and it's time for the big moment we've like we've all been waiting for, as Sarge fires the BFG and hits nothing. Yes. Yes. And, but we are supposed to be impressed because it took out most of the wall. It, it, which, just, it just, yeah. just blows a huge crater of plasma through a wall. Yeah. Pretty... It's just a big plasma cannon. It's not, it's not like the BFG people would expect. You know, you right. expect, like, entire room destruction. And as far as I can tell, I'm, I'm not even sure if it hit the, the monster or not. It's, it's it's never clearly communicated, I don't think. No, not not so much. Uh, so, back in the med, med lab, um, everyone has sort of regrouped. Samantha and Reaper and Sarge look at the research data that they've been downloading during the course of this mission. Yeah. And learn of human genetic manipulation trials involving the 24th chromosome. Yeah. And that results in the transformation of a condemned criminal into a monster. And yeah. Reaper wants to destroy this data. Uh, Sarge overrides him, citing their orders, and commands Samantha mm-hmm. to download the rest of the data while he and Reaper regroup with the Marines at the dig site where another force say, has gone missing. I will say this scene as well represents the transformation of Sarge, who up till this point was a completely different character. Yes, yes. And then on a dime is suddenly a bad guy. And that's why this character is so perfect for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, because (laughs) that guy knows how to do a heel turn. That's what it was. It it was a a face heel turn with all the subtlety of a WWE plot and all the motivation of one as well. Yes. Because, like, in that very same scene, he is angry at the scientist. What were you doing down here? What were you fucking around with? The moment he finds out, it's... I'm not paid to care what you're doing down here. I don't care what you're doing down here. I didn't see anything down here. It's like, 
but but like literally a minute ago, you were caring and angry. Well, I think I I mean I I think from a, a character perspective, it's still sloppy writing. Don't don't get me wrong, but I, I he struck me as a figure who realized this is way the fuck above my pay grade. Like I'm not paid enough to care about this. I'm gonna compartmentalize what I've just seen. And do the thing that I was told to do because it's easier to be a soldier than a human being, basically. It would like, have been good if that was communicated in the film at any point. I know, I know. Uh, well, I mean, he's so <laughs> human up to that point. And then it just, it just clicks off. It's just a yeah. switch. Well, he's the quintessential, stereotypical father to his men. Mm-hmm. You know, gives Grimm that that talk, like Reaper, that talk at the beginning about how you know th- this isn't an order that you don't come with us; it's a recommendation. He's and he smiles visibly, when he turns up. Like he's visibly proud of the kids' excitement at uh, his first mission. Yeah, uh, and then when... suddenly all of this disappears. This fatherly instinct, this Sarge that everyone loves and respects, it's suddenly gone, and there's no sense of. If there was a like an actual communicated sense of trauma in between the transition, it would have worked. But it, it's just light switch. Right. It just happened. It's like we... Basically, it was the plots of thinking, hang on, we've gotten this far in the movie and don't have a bad guy yet. We don't have an antagonist yet. And we can't just have a Castillo that appears at the end who wants to live forever to be immortal. It's like... That would no, be a we... really, really dumb move. We can't do yeah. that. It's been done. Yeah, that 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 path's been walked. That, that boat sailed two years yeah. ago. <laughs> so yeah, they suddenly turned Dwayne into a heel because the film needed an antagonist. Suddenly, right. right. So um, uh, they regroup with the Marines in the dig site where another corpse gone missing. Uh, but as they're on their way to do that, Pinky alerts them to something at the door to the Ark teleporter that's trying to break through. Um, Sarge jails at him to use a grenade and heads to the area by the time Sarge and Reaper get there. It's empty, and the teleporter has been uh, set non-functional for five minutes, which would give them a convenient amount of time to go to the armory and equip up. Um, So Sarge changes the mission parameters, orders the remaining Marines to arm themselves. Uh, Reaper goes to collect Samantha from the med lab, where she has learned that the infections are selective. They only target evil people. And that's where I was getting a little bit more hope. Are we going to see hell and demons again? Because they're suddenly talking about the existence of a soul and the idea and, and, yeah, of, the, of evil. and The genome. We haven't mapped all of the human genome yet. There's 10% we don't understand. Okay, There's first, a hell gene. First of all, you mean to tell me that in the 40 years between the time that this film is made <laughs> and the events that are going to happen, we haven't gotten around to mapping that last 10% of the genome? How stupidly not forward-thinking were the writers on this? Like, yeah, it's like you can get a fucking... You can tell the existence of a super chromosome from looking at a skeleton for a minute, but you haven't done any mapping of the, the fucking genome. Uh, You're on uh, Mars, for God's sake. <laughs> it's just... It's a little bit depressing, but fine, whatever, we'll give yes. it to them. There's, you know, um, so she demonstrates this by showing how it's attracted, like the, the, the tongue thing that, uh, uh, it was Carmack in the wall uh, thing. They, they show this, they, they prove ultimately that the scientists are the monsters by showing Carmack's torn ear uh, on one of the creatures. <sighs> So anyway, they demonstrate that uh, 
the tongue thing that it shot at them is attracted to Portman's brain matter, but it's not attracted to Destroyer because I guess Destroyer was a totally faultless, uh, you know, selfless. Well, it was like he'd done bad things, machine. but he was not bad in his heart. Okay, <laughs> like fine. Uh, it, it's not attracted to him, so she, you know, theorizes that. Um, she, she manages to leap from this to the idea that the 24th chromosome was responsible for the downfall of this ancient Martian civilization, which then had to build the Ark in order to escape the planet and start over again. Yeah, she's very good at deducing things from very little info. She's very good. And yet, and yet, doesn't know what that last 10% of the human genome is. <laughs> not at all. Does Total mystery. <laughs> Never be solved. Don't bother trying. So they st- they head off towards the the teleporter with this you know awareness that holy crap it's not just going to affect everyone. Uh, meanwhile, Sarge has already gone through, uh, and he tells uh, Kid and Duke that the quarantine's broken. Their mission is not to kill anything living on the other side. Uh, they get to the teleporter room on the other side, and it's all these corpses everywhere. And Sarge begins a sweep of the Earth side facility. Uh, basically headshotting anything that's dead just to make sure it stays dead, um, and then eventually finding a, a group of turned civilians and getting into a firefight and killing them. Uh, now, Reaper arrives through the Ark at this point, tells Sarge that, hey, everybody might not all be infected because, you know, this thing has some sort of selective thing, and Sarge copies that he's received that and then ignores it and shoots this protesting, seemingly normal guy in the head. So we, he's a bad guy now. Yeah, definitely bad. Definitely bad. For show. Um, Duke finds Pinky hiding under a pile of dead people and brings him back to the group as the kid discovers uh, a dozen or more people living, uh, you know, hiding out in a storage room. And when kid tries to tell Sarge about them, Sarge orders kid to go back and kill them. And when the kid refuses, Sarge shoots him in the head. Yeah. Father to his men. Father to his men. Uh, Daddy Sarge right there. Uh, And so as the team is dealing with this development, uh, a creature appears and drags Pinky off. And chasing it, they become uh, involved in a swarm of other infected people who push them into a room where there's a nano wall so we get to have this thing again. Uh, They try to use the nano wall to block them away, but the door is failing, probably because Sarge punched it really hard. And... um, Duke inexplicably is dragged under a grate in the room and killed by something we're never seen. And then Sarge gets pulled through the nano wall just as it's closing. Um, As it closes, Reaper fires off one more shot, which ricochets directly off the now closed nano wall and wounds him. And uh, Samantha decides that she's going to use chromosome 24 in an attempt to save his life. Uh, he protests this. He's like, I've done bad things. And he's like, oh, but I know who you are because you're my brother. And yeah, then, he's good in his heart. He's good in his heart. So it's going to be fine. What could go wrong? Uh, then he passes out and he wakes up and activates God mode. Yeah. Um, and, and they have this first person shooter sequence that, oh, we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that. But later. Yes. Later. A season for all things. Uh, So on his way through exploring in first-person mode, he encounters Pinky, who has been transformed into a pudgy pink demon on wheels. 
Yeah, and it's actually like almost except for the wheels part is exactly the Pinky Demon from Doom Three. Yeah, except they've got they've got metal legs in Doom Three, uh, and I, I I don't know maybe one that some of them have wheels, but I can't remember. Um, I'm looking actually on the because I wanted to make sure I was right, but I'm looking at the the Google images and I am seeing some of them with wheels, like looking exactly like Pinky from the Doom movie, uh, except he's not a demon because there there are no demons in this film; they're all zombies. So so it's inexplicable. There's no reason for him being that and and not looking like all the other demons except to have another reference to Doom 3 in there. Well, m- maybe it was his cowardly nature. His cowardly nature made his eyes go away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Reaper kills Pinky and then he uh, makes it back to the elevator room where he finds Samantha, uh, wounded but alive, and Sarge, who is now shown to be infected because he's got the telltale wound on his neck. And he is slowly transforming. Uh, yeah, he, he was bad in his heart. Yes, he was, he was a, a bad man. Uh, he and Reaper have the big uh, climactic you know, fist fight. Uh, yeah. Reaper wins. And you're spending the entire fight thinking, when's he going to turn into a cyber demon? Uh, which he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. There is some subtle transformation effect and then some less subtle transformation effect. And actually, he wraps a bit of a metal bar around his arm to do punching, and you think, God, is that metal going to turn into a cyber demon arm? It doesn't. <laughs> You're really, really broken up about these demons. There are no demons in Doom. There are no demons in Doom. Uh, ultimately, Reaper wins the fight by activating the teleporter and throwing Sarge through it, followed by a grenade, uh, thus destroying the teleporter on the other side and sealing off the facility from yeah. Earth forever. And, and, and just to tell you how cut up I was at this point, in my heart I was thinking, will the grenade spread his body around into all the computers and stuff and we'll get a cyber demon? <laughs> Up to the very end, I was still waiting for a demon. Still holding out hope. Uh, But sadly, no. uh, Reaper picks up Samantha, carries her up the elevator, and the film ends on that with a... Yeah, there's no ending. There's nothing. There's no epilogue. (laughs) There's no follow-through. There's just these two made it out, and that's it. Yeah, it's just... The film might as well have just had the voiceover at the beginning. It just fades to black and the voiceover at the beginning. Right after the grenade hits Sarge and just says, the problem is over now. Get out of the fucking (laughs) theatre. Never come back. Um, But yeah, that's Doom. That's Doom. In a nutshell. That's Doom. Um, Yeah, so I guess more, more thoughts to come? Yeah, more thoughts to come. So, Conrad, did you like Doom or not? I didn't hate Doom. You didn't hate Doom? It felt really disposable. Um, Yeah. I knew that it... I knew going in that it wasn't demons. Um, Right. And so my expectations were tempered a little bit there, I guess. Uh, I knew knew some liberties had been taken. I wanted demons. Sanchez's eyes went yellow. They did. He he had demon eyes. They did. Do you know what? He didn't have demon no demon. There he was... didn't. He... Sarge had demonized, but he did not have demon. You know what? You know what? Uh, Sarge also had a long stare. A long stare. That yes. guy could stare. He can. He can look at things for a long time. They. They really uh, allowed the Rock um, 
the ability to play with really one of his greatest features. And I mean, his face is impressive. Uh, oh, yeah. He can manipulate it. He is super expressive. He's practically a cartoon. I was uh, about to say, yeah, human cartoon. Like, he, he, there is no, no subtlety in that face. No, no. And I mean, and that, that's how he was so effective in the, the WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, he could just express with a look a sort of manic energy that was uh, exciting. And, yeah, yeah. and he does that here as well. It's not exciting so much here in places. It just seems a little weird. But it's still very yeah. expressive. There are times where it's just like, we want, we want, okay, okay, Rock, we need you to show us that Sarge is observing something. <laughs> and you're, you're observing the severed arm on the floor yeah. that Dr. Carmack has just dropped. And you are remembering that there was a door that you couldn't open that required the hand of someone authorized. Yeah. Action. And there is, <laughs> there is no mistaking what he's thinking. No. There is never mistaking what he's thinking. There is no better look at things and think about the thing you're looking at in Hollywood than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It, when he looks at something, you know he's thinking about the thing he's looking at. He, I'd like to see Johnny Depp do that. He was nominated for a Razzie for this. And I feel that that's a little unfair. Like, no, he was, a, he, he was a... He's a good actor. He was in a bad film. That's my problem with the Razzies, is they often confuse the bad parts of things. Right. It's like, basically, he was a big name in a bad film, so let's call him a bad actor for it. When then, really, he should have gotten... You know, there should be a Razzie Award for the most recognisable actor who will get the most attention in this bad film we want to make fun of award. Right. He acted just fine in it. Yeah, I didn't I mean, considering what the script was requiring of him to suddenly be good and suddenly be evil. Like, and he did both of them really well. Yes. That's part of what made it so bad. It's because he was so convincingly good and bad. He's... I think he's a really good actor. I don't, I don't, I think this is early in his career. And so you don't really see the development of him as a film actor yet. Oh yeah. I mean, certainly good luck getting him uh, into a film like that now. No. Yeah. He's, he's he's far graduated beyond doing movies like video game spinoffs and things. Yeah. He's, I, I I like him a lot and I think he's fine in this. I think he's fine in this. There's no, I don't have any problem at all with him in this. The problem with this is the script and yeah. uh, and and the plot i think the um, main problem is is none of the acting was especially bad no the none of the, the direction was especially bad none of the the set design was really good it was again if you're a doom 3 fan it's very authentic visually um the monster design is 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 in terms of look if not premise uh, incredibly faithful. It, it, incredibly faithful. And it they, doesn't do they, the old Hollywood thing of trying to do it, their own spin on, you know, no. this is what our version of a demon looks and like. And they do it you know? really well with, you know, just the, uh, a combination of CGI and um, practical. That yes. it's, it, it, you can't tell where the CGI yeah. is. It's until that, Pinky it's, shows up. Until Pinky, demon. yeah. And, until the Pinky uh, and even shows Pinky, up. Even Pinky, I thought, was well executed, uh, especially yeah. for 2005. I, mean, I guess for the time. I, I found the textures to be very not there, so it yeah. looked very Clone Wars-ish. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, Attack of the Clones-ish. Um, so it was a bit... 
I don't know, but but the main problem, as you say, it's the script, it's the writing, and the fact that it tried to be so many films at once, and the movie's tone contradicts itself so much. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, we, we might as well talk about obviously the the, the film's most famous aspect um, is the first person shooter sequence uh, when uh, Reaper is injected with the magic chromosome uh, yeah. because he's good in his heart. Um, I, I have heard people praise this sequence. Here's the thing. The sequence is good. The sequence on its own is good. The sequence is the, in the wrong... Where was this in House of the Dead? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's, here's my main problem. is I loved the sequence. First of all, it was far too late by that point. Um, one of the film's main problems is it keeps building to crescendos and then resetting the clock after every action sequence. Early in the film, it should have had the aliens, we're going through this thing, looking at something that happened, and we don't know what's out there sequence. And then once we saw a monster, it should have then been all-out monsters action, pumping soundtrack, all that good stuff, you know. Um, not even Aliens was this slow after its well, first reveal. Uh, so it keeps trying to do a horror movie thing, and it keeps trying. Well, yeah, to... it's it is very. It tries to be aliens so hard. I mean, even with the kill cam thing, yeah. which is never exploited in in an effective manner. No, I I don't understand. I, was the whole point of it to be there so that Pinky could watch uh, Portman die and demonstrate that he's a bad guy too? I guess so. I guess I guess they felt they needed That's a long way that's a long way to carry something with yeah. such potential to waste. It's it. almost like anyone who gets turned into a monster, there needs to be some bit of a setup to explain why they're evil when we could just assume that they had bad in their hearts. It's like, no, they, the film's got no sense of subtlety in that regard. It's like in order for Pinky to be a monster, we've got to show him doing something bad. Um, yeah, whereas I think the smarter tactic would have been to merely highlight the more noble characters yes. more clearly. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to consider. Goat is a weird one. Like, Goat's just a fascinating character because he is this, like, super religious killer. Yeah. And those are things He was my favorite are... character. He was my favorite character, actually. Um, he's interesting. Yeah, he was interesting. I, like I think he was well performed. Um, he had that kind of quiet intensity to him. Um, I did kind of roll my eyes at just how overwrought that whole "I took his name in vain" scene was. A bit. It was a bit much, but it, it sets up and it explains, you know, him killing himself later. Yes. You yes. know the 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 will to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, as he's transforming, because as it's it, it's it's clear that there is some sentient some remnant of the former person at work at least during the transformation process we see that with Carmack yeah. and who um, who shut that woman's arm in the door which proves yes. he has bad in his heart cuz cuz everyone's got to have some setup of some kick the dog moment of being bad in their heart um <laughs> You know, uh, Destroyer, uh, we, all we really get is that, you know, he's a big brother figure to do. Yeah, so he's got good in his heart. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. And everyone else is bad. So, yeah. you know, if they'd just done a better job of highlighting that these two figures are supposed to be the good ones. Yeah. You know, along with Reaper, who clearly assumes the hero position that you thought The Rock was going to have. Yes. Uh, 
almost immediately upon arriving on Mars. Pretty much. And so anyway, my, my main point with the, with the first-person shooter sequences is it is, like, out-and-out out ridiculous. It starts being almost yes. comical. Like, the demons... Well, the demons, the monsters, the infected, whatever, start having a bit of, like, comedy and personality to them, whereas before they're just kind of mindless infectors. Suddenly there's, like, you know, a, a, a big hulking imp-like creature with a ch giant oversized comedy chainsaw... Um, you know, one of them steps on a landmine and looks down almost for that moment of pathos um, before it gets <laughs> blown up. It suddenly becomes cartoon, over-the-top, zany, action-packed, um, awesome, you know, you know, ridiculous music that could be, you know, in a Doom game. But the problem is, is up until that point, the movie was trying to be anything but Doom and was trying to take itself so seriously. And, and it really was it, was. it was trying to be a serious film up until that moment. So they somehow took the most Doom aspects and made them out of context in a Doom movie. And that's where I, I was almost like impressed. Like, I'm looking at something that is pure Doom. It's first person, it's ridiculous, it's over the top, it doesn't care about being serious. And in this film, which is called Doom, is somehow out of context. Within the yeah. structure they set up for it, it's it has it's no totally inconsistent. grounding in I, the film. I, I, I agree with you entirely. Yes, and, that, and this is a Doom film where it, where it shouldn't be. And they somehow managed to make it so, and and I just I was stunned. Like the the film spends so long trying to not be Doom that by the time it it becomes Doom, it's it's too little, too late. I made this comment as as uh, we got started talking about this section, um, but I'm gonna bring it up again because this is really how I saw it. Uh, I didn't see a Doom game in that sequence. I I saw House of the Dead. Uh, uh, to be honest, a lot. Of, because, I mean, it didn't help that it was all zombies until well, no. there was, like, one or two actual Doom monsters. I mean, it, it even has shoot the axe. Yes. Like, there's, you know, there's a guy comes up with an axe for some reason. He's got a hatchet or something in his hand and shoots him and it gets embedded in his head. And Yeah. And I there's, mean, it's, there's it's even moments silly. where where he's not shooting. And the camera is moving like in an on-rail shooter. Exactly. There's moments between combat. Yeah, I mean, I totally give that to you. And I did think it myself, like, like it, br it, it also it feels, like it feels slow. It feels slow and staged, uh, mm -hmm. which is not not how Doom feels to me. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was, it was not merely inconsistent to me with the rest of the film, but it wasn't really entirely consistent with the feel of Doom. Yeah. And so this is where I'm going to bring up again that I watched this the third time uh, and sped through portions. Yeah. And if you run it at three times speed, it actually does feel a little bit like Doom. I can see that, yeah. Like, it's popping around corners very quickly. The things just come in and there's attacks and they're fast. There are still those bits where the... You know, uh, like the rats crawling out of the skull that you find where it's sort of... The other, the thing it actually also reminded me of, like carnivals will have these sort of uh, Halloween spook house rides. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're on, you're in a cart and, you know, something will pop up and make a noise at you or something like that. It and didn't that's... help that the, the zombies, for want of a better word, really weren't good looking. Like, Not clearly they put a lot of effort into the... the monsters to get them looking authentic but the guys turning into monsters who at that point are just zombies like 
they just look like guys screaming at the camera. Yes. Yeah. It. Uh, so I. I was nonplussed by the sequence. Mm-hmm. I. I. Maybe ten years ago, I would have been more impressed by it. I think what helped is by that point I'd gotten so bored. Like I was honestly tempted to just stop watching it and pretend that I'd watched the rest of it <laughs> because I. I was looking at the you know the plot details and for all of its its contrivance. There's, you don't miss anything by no. skipping whole scenes. Um, you know, I was halfway through the movie and I'm like, it could have started here and I'd have been caught up to speed. Uh, and, and so I guess I was just so fucking bored by that point that I gleefully welcomed the, 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 that action sequence just to feel something. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that. It, it is what it is, but I, I was not... It just didn't feel like it belonged in this film. No, it, it, I totally agree with that. It should have belonged in this film. Yes. But the film they ended up making, it, it was completely out of context, completely stripped of any grounding in the film. It had no place there. It, it was this weird interruption. It was like a Super Bowl halftime show in the middle of this wannabe aliens, wannabe serious, wannabe event horizon sci-fi horror and then it was suddenly video game action, and then then space wrestling match. Yeah. Because it never gets back to what it was. After the action sequence, Sarge turns up, and then they just they just wrestle. And that's Pretty the much. end of the film after the wrestling match. Yeah, and it's uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know who I really feel for though? I who feel for Mac. For? Yes. I feel Mac, bad for Mac. Yeah, Mac is barely in the film to the point where it's only when you told me he had his head chopped off that I remembered the the beheading. Mm-hmm. Because I was going to ask during your plot synopsis, what the fuck happened to Mac? And it wasn't until you said that he was decapitated. Suddenly my brain woke up and I'm like, oh yeah, someone's head did get decapitated and I guess that was Mac. Yeah, it's... It's really, really depressing. I, Mac has three lines. No, no, two lines. He has two lines in the entire movie. Uh, one where Pinky asks why they call him Mac, and he gives him his full name in response. Yeah, he says, which... you don't look like Mac. And then mm-hmm. he gives him you know, a, a, a very syllable-heavy Japanese name, and then Pinky's just like, oh, Mac it is then. Ha, ha, ha. Japanese names are complicated, aren't they? Right, and then we he gets another line when he lets them know that he sealed the teleporter room. And that's it. And then he gets decapitated. Then his head comes off. And I am probably more interested in Mac than most of the other characters in this. Simply because they didn't go to any great effort to make sure that I knew something I didn't care about. Because there was still like, potential with that one. Yes. He could it's like, here's turn a, into a demon. Yeah, here's a, here's a blank canvas. Can I have a demon, please? <laughs> I didn't get any demons in this film. I don't know if I've mentioned that yet. No, I spent not the entire a demon. Two hours. How dare you make me watch a film for two hours and not give me a demon? Even The Exorcist did that. I don't know uh, why I said that as if The Exorcist wouldn't have a demon in it. Yeah, you kind of... Can you have the exorcist without a demon? Well, I guess it would just well, be more... You can have be, Doom without a demon, apparently. So you sure anything's can. possible. But you know what you need to get into Doom? Galaxian 2. Yes. 
Yes, bearing in mind this is the year 2046 and he's playing it on what something that looks sub Game Boy. Oh, this is it, it looks like one of those Mattel used to put these out in the early 80s and they're like LEDs in a grid that yeah. would light up to... I used to love those. I used to have a, a few of those LED games. Yeah, it's this big, chunky thing. And yeah. My brother yeah. had a Street Fighter 2 LED game. It was Well, those are impossible. LCD games. Oh, yeah, LCD. Uh, yeah. Those are LCD. Those yeah. came after. This, that's what I'm saying. This Sorry, is like I'm, a, I'm a little bit earlier this yeah. incarnation of that, uh, where it's literally just like a grid of, of small LED lights. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That light up and make shapes. It's really depressing. Like, what happened to technology? What happened to video games that this was the future? Not like, like, they didn't have the chromosome that let them remember video games. I just, like, in 40 years, some, this it, it is predicting, this film is predicting that sometime in the next 40 years, video games will go through a dark ages, people. Yeah. That's horrifying. I mean, looking at the, the current output that's on Steam, like, we might, <laughs> they might have called We may it. already be there. Steam lets enough shit get through onto its storefront. Eventually, we're, we're playing LCD stuff on a spaceship, wondering oh. where it all went wrong. <laughs> and saying, this game got layers. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, like, the John Blow of his era will recreate Space Invaders and be hailed as a hero. <laughs> uh, I also want to talk about Samantha um, a bit. Yeah. Um, she is the, you know, researcher and, and she's fascinating because she is this really determined, self-assured, capable female character that we don't always get in these kinds no. of movies. No. Um, but then we, she loses that. Like right at the end, she becomes yeah. the, uh, the, you know, object to be saved, which I thought was really disappointing. I would have loved for her to kick a little ass at the end. Yeah, she uh, never never does. It's just, it's, it's that, I, that mean, I found still, disappointing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I was, I was trying to like, find some saving grace to add to it, but there isn't. Like, she is, no. she, ju- she does become rescue object. It, well, and, and she's, I don't know how closely you were looking at what she was wearing. What the fuck was she wearing? <laughs> like I was, I was ready to call her Doctor Brawless. <laughs> that is the most form-fitting sweater. I mean, it explains how that one woman is naked towards the beginning of the game. They clearly have very little on, if anything, under the lab coats. You take the lab coat off, you might as well be nude. It which, is just which maybe is a philosophical message of this film because don't we all wear lab coats? Well, and it's always cold on Mars. It's always cold on Mars. Always cold in, on Mars. In the, in the Mars of our souls, it's always cold on Mars. And that's why when we take our metaphorical lab coats off, um, which is the, the front we put up about ourselves, uh, we are all naked underneath. And some of us might find out that we are bad in our hearts and will turn into a not demon. I think that's, that's what the film is trying to say at the end of the day. I, like, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to focus too much on her breasts. No, I'm really no, try... she's, she's very beautiful and such a talent. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to. to no, focus it's just, on, it's on just, I, I, I'm questioning whether or not they're real or part of the costume, because they're just so prominent and always consistently. 
it doesn't make sense to me. And I don't want to, I'm not like, I wasn't looking. Interested. To I'm be just honest, fascinated. I wasn't looking. I don't see breasts. <laughs> I wasn't looking because, because I'm, I'm not going to say I'm better than that or I'm better than you. That's for the listeners to make their own minds up about. <laughs> well, I, I, I wasn't, I'm just, my wife and I were both just like, what the fuck's going oh, on? Oh, bring up chat? the wife. Yeah, I'm not sexist. My wife noticed it too. That well, old no, get she out. she did. She did. <laughs> she is my shield through which I watch all of these now. Just in the event I make some potentially sexist observation, I could point out that she did also. That is, that's actually a good, I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> Rosamund Pike is the actress. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got me looking now. It's not part of the costume. Okay. I mean, <laughs> she wasn't a bad actress. No, I don't think anybody here performed poorly. No right? performers in there were, were bad. Not you know, I, it's just weird. It was a weird object, objectification element of the costume. Yeah. I, it was just strange. Like, I joked, but I honestly was not looking at... Sure. Them. No, and I mean, I can but see I'm how it could be overlooked. Now I'm looking at screenshots of I'm look like you look up Rosamund Pike Doom, and now it's all I can see. I mean, first yeah. of all, you put that filth in my head, so screw you. <laughs> Second of all, holy shit! I know. Yeah, it's okay. it's pretty stunning. Yeah. So anyway, um, boy, Doom. thank God, I was feeling really, really. I was like, oh my God, how can I be the one in this relationship that did that? But oh, thank you. <sighs> <laughs> but she is very beautiful and such a talent. She wasn't. She, she was. She like everybody, I think, did the best with what there was to work with. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's a lot that is. Uh, Going that the, the actors had to struggle with, to mm. like. I don't know. I just I feel like any any actor that was just competent would have looked to us in this film because the script drags you down to a certain level, and and so I think they were all they all had to have been pretty damn capable to have not been unbearable in this, to have worked with some of the ridiculous characterization and writing and make it work as best they could. Now, um... Oh, shit, she was in Gone Girl. Oh, yes, my wife did make that... Did point that out. I haven't seen Gone Girl. I've, I've only watched, like... like My wife's a big fan of Gone Girl, and uh, she watched... I only watched, like, the last 20 minutes of it. Oh. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> now I'm seeing it. Yeah, she was in Gone Girl. Uh, now, Razak... And I'm probably mispronouncing that. Razak Adati. Or Adoti. Uh, he played Duke. Also British. Oh, I would not, have, I would okay. not have guessed. He was actually okay. As a, he was very accent. good. Yeah. And we're going to get to see him again when we do Resident Evil Apocalypse. Oh, good. So that, that'll be fun. I'm looking that'll forward to That'll be it. fun. Uh, <laughs> he was good, I thought. I thought he was quite good. Yes, yes. He, um, he, he, had, he was probably... He was prob even though like some of his lines were cringy, I think he was probably the most sympathetic character for me. And mm-hmm. He was certainly like, if we're being honest, um, I, I'm not going to bother with remembering the name, but the guy who played the actual hero, the guy who played Reaper. If I had to say someone was the least interesting performer, it would have been him. That would like, be Carl Urban. Yeah, he wasn't selling much. Like even no. his old trauma and his emotional bits, he was very bland. Um, and, so I didn't and, get anything out of him. 
maybe that's uh, you know, like the char- like the Doom Marine, basically. You know, he's supposed to be the imprint on which we are to put ourselves in this film. Like, I, he might just be deliberately bland. Yeah, that's how yeah. I'd write it. I, you know, if I were writing a crappy sci-fi action film based on Doom, the lead protagonist would probably not be that interesting. It would probably be more about the other characters surrounding it. I think that was the right tactic to take. I think they just did a pretty shitty job of writing those characters and making them interesting. And yeah. again, there are just too many of them. Uh, this is the same problem we ran into with House of the Dead. They want to be able to kill people, but then they're sort of shackled to having to develop something in those characters to make them killable later. And it just, it's not necessary. This, is, again, could have been done with six people in uh, 80 minutes. Yes, yes. I mean, it's, I think the problem was is that they just couldn't focus on what exactly they wanted the film to be. Like, they could have just straight up ripped off Aliens. They could have just straight up done a horror film. They could have just gone the, the Doom, you know, action, brainless violence route. And they wanted to try and do a bit of everything. And everything needed its own build. And every character needed their own backstory. And everything needed its own little midichlorian explanation. And so it just dragged everything out. And, and, and this was being sold to an audience that really didn't give a shit about any of that. I didn't give a shit about any of that. Just give me a goddamn demon. <laughs> I think it, the um, I think the better route to have gone with this would have been a more straightforward action uh, siege arrangement. Uh, something a little more in the vein of what Resident Evil did. Which, you yeah. know, go figure. It's essentially the same plot setup. But... Um, yeah, I feel I feel like the a lot of the skulking around hunting aspect dragged it out and made it feel less than interesting. Um, where the expectation from Doom is is action, I feel, yeah. and uh, if they had put a more run and gun approach to the to the story's design, eighty five people are supposed to be up there. I think is the number, right. I, that's, I, you know, you kill more than 85 people in 90 minutes in Doom, and they're supposed to be up there six hours. Yeah. Can we, can we, can we, kill, can we, can we kill a few more people? <laughs> Too much talking. You know what? T- there's so much science stuff in it. And I, I know saying that makes me sound like a Luddite, right? I like science. Like, you know, if, if a movie is going to be a, like a real hard intelligent science fiction movie that wants to talk about the science of the science fiction that's fine but doom any amount of science is too much science as far as i'm concerned there's <laughs> well, too much science stuff i don't care about super chromosomes right just say here is our magic injection right that we've got it'll make your eyes go white his eyes didn't go white when he went god mode um you know we opened up a portal, and hell came out like that. That's a good enough premise. Yeah, they worked too hard. They fine. They worked harder than they needed to work to make a a, a less interesting film than it could have been. The I effort mean, to payoff ratio is just just. Here's whack. the thing. Here's the thing that I, I just it just occurred to me because this actually could be drawn 
back around to game design a little bit. Uh, Doom works really well when it's linear. It does. Yeah. I mean, uh, original Doom was a little more exploratory of the levels, a lot of backtracking, and that's kind of what the film represents. Um, Whereas it would work better if it just went in a straight line instead of having all of this breaking up the team and search this thing and search this thing and search this thing. Keep them in a group and have them get picked off one by one along the way in the group. That would feel more threatening because here you're supposed to have this big-ass invincible group of Marines and they can't stop it. Um, As opposed to every time someone winds up alone, they wind up dead. That's the stock horror... uh, It was really disappointing. It was really disappointing to see that pretty much any time someone was left alone, they were going to die then. Uh, I don't know. It, it sucks. It's, it's, I don't know. I just, I didn't hate the movie. I'm just nonplussed by it. I think that's the problem. I think, and, and someone did say before we recorded, like, I got a, a, a message that was like, do you think there's enough to talk about? And, and you know, you won't just be struggling. And it's like, first of all, I'm pretty, I think we got a good hour and 15, but we are at the point where we're past that point and I, I, I've got nothing more to add, which is fine because... Because I don't want this to go on for two hours. Sure, yeah. So uh, and I, I think we got a you. good amount of content f- out of the movie, um, but there's certainly there's little for a closing statement I can come up with other than just exasperated size because it's an exasperating film because any single element was good if the film had just committed to one of those elements and gone the whole way with it. Instead, it tried to take a little bit of everything and commit to none of it to the point where they couldn't even have a subplot about a missing husband without forgetting about it. Uh, just everything was just picked oh, up and dropped. By the way, he's the corpse that they do the autopsy on, in case you were wondering. And, and who even cares? I, to see, there you go. But that's just Where it, did like, she go again? Uh, she was sent out with the civilians. Um, and so she was evacuated back to the Earth facility and then presumably later killed. Oh, I think she was the one who, when the kid finds all the people holed up, she was the one saying, please help us. Oh, that could yeah. be right. That could be right. I and totally forgot that. It, yeah. I totally missed that detail in I think multiple viewings because it was so, like, it's like so many other things in this. Just not worth Just keeping. may as well have not been there. Yeah. And so she's basically, after given this backstory with a missing husband and all this shit, and, and brought back, she's killed off screen um, with nothing more than a comment from the Sarge saying he took care of the people who were holed up there. Yeah, we could have cut minutes of this film by yeah, just excluding she, her. She didn't need to be in there. Yeah. Um, no, no one and nothing needed to be in there. You know what needed to be in there, demons? I'll answer that question before I've even finished the sentence. Yeah, nope, nope, you're right. We needed demons. Right, cut out the, the missing husband, cut out the super chromosome, cut out the, the whole backstory with the brother and sister. Who gives a fuck? That never went anywhere either. Not really, no. The, uh, uh, was... oh, oh, boo-hoo, our parents died in a cave in an archaeological site. It was like they just, like, like, some of the most well-documented TV tropes pages 
were just cut and pasted to give backstories for characters. <laughs> Pretty much. The only thing it missed was like a corrupt company man. Yeah, I was. That's. Yes, I agree. That was the I only was thing missing, that. and and I think they realised that halfway through the film, which is why they said, "Shit, Sarge needs to be the corrupt company man now," because he was still, basically filling that role towards still, the he end. Does, he does do a good heel turn. He does it. He does it. Wrestling fans would be proud. He never broke kayfabe once. Um, he did really well with that, but but again, like that's only in terms of look at what he was dealing with so yeah uh, uh, we can recommend this movie for fans of professional wrestling <laughs> yes yes if you want to see space wrestling like don't even bother watching the film just watch like the last 15 minutes and that will uh, allow yourself an additional wrestling. 10 minutes for the uh the credits there so you want to go 25 minutes from the end of the movie yes the credits are how long did you say oh they're like 12 minutes or something like 12 like that. minutes ridiculous. long i didn't watch them I, I kind of by that point I'd given up. Like I, I really, a small part of me says maybe there's a demon at the end of the credits. Maybe there's a little scene where we see Sarge as a cyber demon. Like he's got the BFG on his arm or something, and he's going, "Ah, I've got horns now." Um, but I determined it wasn't worth worth waiting to find out and be disappointed. So what's next, Jim? What's next? Well. I think this one is going to be... Uh, first of all, I can, I can tell you there's no zombies in this one. Finally. So, there's going to be no zombies. There's going to be... It was, not our, it was not our intent. We expected demons. Yeah, I wanted... De I thought we were going to go from two zombie films to, like, proper in-space sci-fi with demons, and we, we just got another zombie film. For that, I apologise. But there's no such... First of all, I've seen this one. Most of you listening will have seen this one. Uh, so we know there's no zombies in it. Comparatively few guns. This one's more about fighting. Maybe in the street. Uh, it's, yeah, it's going to be Street Fighter. The 90s classic with Raul Julia. I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's been a good few years since I've seen it, so I'm looking forward to the excuse to watch again. And, yeah, that will be our next one. Um, I certainly hope you enjoyed listening to this one, our, our rundown of Doom. Uh, and... I'm glad I kind of scratched it off my to-watch list, but I will never watch it. I will never watch that film again. No, uh, there, there's I'm done. no need. Not even. I'm not even saying that out of hate for it. It's there just is disposable. just no cause to watch it ever again. Yeah, no cause I agree. to watch it. Um, but yes, um, thank you for listening to us and and putting up with our shit. Um, I feel like this was a much better format than last last time. I feel like we actually really it wasn't. Last time, the first episode was a mess. The second one was a structure that led to more mess. This refining of the structure, I feel, allowed for some quality mess, but, but was, was a lot more punchy um, and certainly got to the point more than doomed it. Well, I think we were, we were more restrained, and at the same time, we still managed to get in everything that we wanted to address. And, and maybe yeah, I don't feel Doom like I had less anything. to address. I don't know, but... Yeah, I don't. Who knows? But 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 that's good. I feel good about this one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So thank you. So you, you can again. start telling your friends that this is a good podcast. Yeah, tell them to start from episode three. Uh, <laughs> and if you like podcasts, you can always check me and Conrad out um, with our good friend Paul Sincere on um, Fist Shark Marketing, which is a podcast that goes out every week. That's at fistshark.com. You can follow fo follow. You can follow Conrad at Conrad Zimmerman, and uh, that's all one word. It's his name put together. 
So that's how Twitter works. You can follow him on Twitter, at Conrad Zimmerman, and check out his YouTube channel, which is also Conrad Zimmerman. And until then, we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, Podquisition will be the next one up on this. And then after that will be another one of these. Um, and no, no, there'll be two more after this. Yeah, there'll be two Podquisitions and then another one of these. That's how it works. I'm confused by my own format. Um, but we'll be back with Street Fighter, so make sure you get that watch before you see us next time. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. You'd think I'd learn how to sign off a podcast after uh, years of doing them. Never, never worked it out. <laughs>